You're listening to The Lively Show, episode number 11. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Hello, and welcome to the show. As you may have already seen, Mr. Lively and I were very busy last weekend redesigning JessLively.com. With The Lively Show and the blog and our new shop, which I have more details about on the on the blog as well, there's a lot going on and we didn't think that a single page would be the best way for new visitors to come and experience everything that's going on. So we decided to create this new, more interactive layout, which also makes it easier to view The Lively Show episodes all at once. We have this really cool feature where you can search each individual topic that you're interested in very quickly. So if you want to go check it out, especially the Lively Show piece, which is JessLively.com slash Lively Show, hop on over and see it. It's really cool, guys. And I'm hoping that it helps you um, search the Lively Show episodes in the archive as things move forward and more episodes get in the queue. So today's episode, we're talking with Gala Darling. Gala Darling is kind of a, a hard person to describe really quickly, but I'll say that she's this fantastic blogger who definitely dabbles a lot in fashion, but also has this very core message of radical self-love. She's from New Zealand, but now lives in New York, and she is just this fantastic woman. She has a TED Talk about radical self-love, and her story is really, really compelling. So in the episode, we're going to talk about how she overcame her depression and eating disorder a few years back. We're also going to talk about what inspired Gala to change her course of her life for the better and to eventually lead her to her radical self-love movement. And she's going to talk about how she overcomes stress and negativity in her career. So this is a great episode. It's not very long, but there's so much to share. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much for being on the show, Gala. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are? So, man, it's a long story. I feel so old. I just turned 30 and I feel like there's so much to tell. So I'm originally from New Zealand. And uh, when I was in New Zealand, um, I had a great childhood, all those things. I really didn't have any problems to speak of. But when I turned about 13 years old, I was, I guess, overcome with hormones and craziness. And I, as a child, was obsessed with books and reading. I was always reading. I was always writing stories. And I was always the intention was that I would be a writer. That's what I always wanted to do. And as I got older, you know, well-meaning adults and teachers and stuff would say, oh, well, you'll never make any money doing that. You know, you should do something else with your time. You need to think about a more practical application of your skills. You know, my father really wanted me to be a journalist and all these other things. And I think that that really changed my perception of myself and my perception of what the future might look like for me. And I started to become very unhappy and really suffered with depression for a long time, probably from about the age of 13 to about the age of 22, 23. So it was a really long time. And, um, you know, my moods were up and down all the time. And I just felt very out of control of myself. And I had no coping mechanisms. You know, I didn't know how to deal with any of my feelings. Um, and then I would like to say that, oh, and then I got over it. But that's not exactly how it happened. So um, I was really miserable. And then I moved um, to a different city to live with my boyfriend and I developed an eating disorder because I wasn't living with my parents anymore. There was no one to tell me what I should or shouldn't be eating. So I just didn't eat. 
how old were you at that point? I was like 18, like 17 or 18. Okay. Um, so I was living with this boyfriend and I wasn't really eating anything. And then when he and I broke up and I was living totally by myself, it became even worse. I was very unhappy. I was very, I just felt really miserable. I felt kind of mired in my own muck and I didn't know how to get out of it. And I would kind of have these moments of feeling hopeful about the future. And then I would feel like I was being slammed back down to earth and, you know, really didn't know how to deal with that. So just by chance, I happened to start talking to this guy who was a friend of a lot of my other friends, but I had never met him. He had been traveling for a long time. And he came back to New Zealand and we started dating. And he was very into like alternative healing and alternative medicine and that kind of thing. Um, stuff that I thought was kind of hokey and really didn't believe in. But really? Yeah, I was like, I was such a cynic. You know, I was so like cynical and skeptical and I just was really not into it. And he, you know, because he knew that I had an eating disorder and he was always like, okay, well, if you're not going to eat anything, at least like take your vitamins and just make sure that you're, I don't know, upping your vital needs or whatever. So he would kind of take care of me as much as he could, but I was very difficult to take care of at that time. And he discovered this thing called EFT, which is now more, more normally known as tapping. Yeah, I love tapping. That's so cool. It, that's where you got introduced to it. Yeah, absolutely. And he would, um, he was obsessed with it. And he would sit in, we lived in the studio apartment together. He would sit in the living room, which was also the bedroom and also the kitchen. <laughs> I've been in one of those too. <laughs> yeah, totally. He would sit in there and just like be tapping himself like all night long. <laughs> and I was really, yeah. why was he tapping? Oh, I don't know. He wanted to clean up like all his comic stuff, basically. Was it kind of a big job? And I was just, <laughs> I remember like sitting in the bed looking at him and being like, who are you? How is this? possible. Why did I invite you into my life? This is super weird. <laughs> and he would always talk about how great it was. And he was like, I really want you to try it. I really want you to try it. I think it'll really help you. And he's a very persistent man. And I was like, oh, fine. Okay. I just to get him off my back. I was like, all right, I'll try it. And so I decided that if I was going to test it, I wanted to test it on something really real. I wanted to test it on something where it couldn't be like psychosomatic. It couldn't be something I had imagined had been fixed. I wanted to test something real. And I used to get asthma every day. I would have to use my inhaler every day when I walked up the hill to catch this bus to work. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to tap on my asthma and getting asthma as I walk up the hill. I tapped on it that night, and the next morning, I didn't have asthma. And it was unbelievable. And I was like, whoa, okay, there's something to this. And then I, I think I used it on a few other little things. Like I used it on hay fever, and I used it on back pain, and I used it on headaches. And then I eventually built up the courage to try it on my eating disorder. And that was really how I was able to move through my eating disorder and kind of get to the other side of that. Which is a crazy, th I mean, yeah. Can you go into that a little bit? I'd love to know more because I'm sure a lot of people that might be struggling with something similar would go, how does this work? <laughs> yeah, totally. So the deal, if you don't know anything about tapping, basically the idea is that you're tapping on these meridian points in your body. So places where the energy flows the most easily through these various points of your body. It's like the same as acupressure or acupuncture. They use meridian points as well. And you tap on them with two fingers. So your forefinger and your middle finger of one hand. And as you're tapping on these points, you're speaking through through this problem that you have and you finish it up by saying that you deeply and completely love and accept and forgive yourself. So that was basically what I did. So I felt I mean, I remember this was like a an epic kind of moment for me. So I knew that to deal with this problem, I needed to take it really seriously and kind of be by myself and really 
I guess, like, dive down into the problem and be really present with it and really address it seriously. So I went into the bathroom, which was, like, the only private space we had in our apartment. I went into the bathroom and I closed the door and I took my clothes off and I stood in front of the mirror. And as I was tapping on... I mean, I don't remember what I was saying, but I'm sure it was along the lines of how disgusting I thought I was, how fat and ugly and hideous I was, how much I didn't love myself and how I felt hopeless and how, um, you know, I felt like there was no way out and I felt there was no way I could be fixed, basically. Um, And as I was tapping on all of these things, I was looking at myself in the mirror and making eye contact with myself, which is a really intense thing to do if you've ever tried talking to yourself and looking in your eyes in the mirror. It's a really serious thing to do. And so I did this for as long as I could kind of bear it. I remember crying the whole time. It was very hard on me emotionally. And when I came out of the bathroom, I felt like with tapping, you say, you know, you state like what emotional level the problem is at the beginning. So say mine was a 10 out of 10. And then you tap for a few rounds and then you see where you think your emotional level is. So maybe you're a six or maybe you're a four or a two. And so I got it down to maybe it was like a three or a two or something. And it, I felt calm and I felt um, peaceful and I felt safe. And then I came out of the bathroom and I started talking to my boyfriend and I was telling him about what had happened and, and any, I guess, moments or insights I'd had. And then I was like, oh my God, I feel so sick. And I ran to the bathroom and I was so, so violently ill. And I really feel like that was my body's way of saying, I don't want this in me anymore. And it just, I felt like I was really getting rid of all of that emotion and all of that self-loathing. I feel like it literally came out of me. Wow. Crazy, right? Uh, So crazy. Yeah. So while you're tapping, is there a specific thought that you're repeating to yourself in that moment? I think I was just, I mean, the way that I usually tap is I'll do a full round. So, you know, you do the top of your head, your eyebrow, you know, blah, blah, blah. You do one round and I would normally say the same thing for the whole round. And then I would say something different on the second round. Okay. If that makes sense. And is there a link? um, I'll include in the show notes a link to a tapping exercise or like a demonstration that you recommend. Yeah, sure. I I have a video from uh, like 2007, which where my accent is really, really strong and my hair is purple and I'm doing an EFT (laughs) demonstration. It's just galadarling.com slash article slash EFT. Super easy. But I totally need to redo it and like, you know, have some new information there because it's, it's such a powerful thing and people think it's so way out there, but it's starting to become much more recognized. And I actually wrote a post about eating disorders yesterday and I was looking up EFT for eating disorders and the National Center for Eating Disorders in the UK, they actually endorse EFT. They have a, they teach a seminar on it, which is amazing. That's so cool. Okay, so let's go back. So you got violently ill. You kind of like purged yourself yeah. um, f- of all of this toxic energy that was in your life. Yeah. It, were you just immediately like healed after that? Or what happened after the bathroom experience? Uh, the bathroom experience. <laughs> that would be a good like chapter for a book or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I just remember feeling like a new person. It felt like the slate had been wiped clean. And After that, I really didn't have any problems with eating anymore. I had a few issues around body image or specific things about my body that I wasn't happy with, but it was like that particular trigger of food and being obsessive about what I was eating or not eating that really started to just disappeared. Wow. Did it transfer to something else or did it just go away entirely? No, it just went away. 
Wow. And after one round of, how long were you tapping in that bathroom? Oh, honestly, it must have been like 45 minutes, probably. Okay. So this isn't like you did this three rounds and people are like, okay. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I was really going for it. And also, you know, I spent a lot of time over the next year tapping on body image stuff and self-confidence and all those things. And I feel like a lot of that contributed to, you know, who I am today. But I feel like I haven't even told anyone what I actually do. Yeah, let's get into that. That was my next question. What I actually do now. So so after the bathroom experience, <laughs> uh, my boyfriend and I traveled around the world and then moved to Melbourne, Australia from New Zealand. And while I was overseas, I, we went to Burning Man, which was crazy. I went to New York City for the first time. We went to Norway and England. And I saw all of these people, especially in at Burning Man in New York City, who were really living their dream and they were really hustling and they really wanted to make it happen. And it didn't seem to matter if anyone else thought it was stupid. They had the guts and the bravery and the vision to go after what they wanted. And I was very inspired by that. And my whole life I had been working in these terrible jobs, doing awful things, you know, selling advertising over the phone and working in bookshops. And, um, you know, I did like half a day as a barista in a cafe before walking out and never going back to my chair. (laughs) And, you know, I always worked these terrible jobs and I was very inspired seeing people live their dream. So when we moved to Australia, I decided that I didn't want to work for anyone else ever again and starting a blog seemed like something that made sense to me. It was already like an internet obsessive. So I started my blog. What year was that? That was 2006, so the end of 2006. That is a long time ago. That's an early blog. I know. I'm like a blogging dinosaur, dude. (laughs) Um, And so... I started my blog and the idea was that I wanted it to be a very positive space for women. Um, to It was really about fashion and expressing their personal style. And all of the blogs online at the time were very, they were either very celebrity driven or they were kind of snarky and nasty and it was like what not to wear stuff, which I hated. And because I had just gone through this massive transformation, I was really feeling very positive and I really wanted to share that with everybody. So I started writing about fashion and it quickly became more about self-esteem and, you know, living the life you love and that kind of thing. And when I would get a question from someone like, oh, you know, what kind of dress should I wear to minimize my figure or something? I would think, God, you know, the answer is not that you need to be wearing something different. The answer is that you need to love yourself and then you could wear a paper bag and you wouldn't care. So I started to write more around that subject and, you know, the response to that has been fantastic. And I've basically been doing that for seven and a half years now. Wow. So how has that grown since that one, you know, simple blog? Obviously, it's much more than that in addition to the blog. But how has that transpired? I mean, so much has changed since then. I My first post ever was about fashion help for recovering goths. And it was about a, a response to my friend who emailed me and said, so I'm a goth, as you know, and I'd like to start wearing more color, but I don't know where to begin. So I wrote a post for her. And that was the very first post I ever wrote. Since then, it's grown. You know, I wrote a book in a serial format. So I would write one chapter a month and you could subscribe and get every chapter as they came out or you could buy them one at a time. I did that. And then I started to create more products. So I've had, you know, Radical Self Love Bootcamp. I've had email courses that teach you various things. And now I'm traveling the world with my two best friends and we teach women how to blog and how to do it really well um, with the Blog Academy. So it's changed so much. And a lot of things changed for me when I moved from Australia to New York City, where the opportunities here are just so massive. And in Australia at the time, there just, there was nothing like it. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's go into your main message, which is radical self-love. 
What is that exactly? So radical self-love to me is about really being the person that you know you are deep down inside. And it's about exploding the old myths that we tell ourselves and retiring, you know, the old stories and stop making excuses for who we say we are, basically. And, you know, I think that the years that I spent battling depression and eating disorder and all of those things, that really happened because I didn't have any tools to deal with my emotions. And so what I do with radical self-love is I give women and men and anyone who wants them tools that they can use to help them get through, you know, those difficult emotional times, help them to fall in love with themselves, have like a solo romance, I like to call it. And, um, and yeah, that's really my focus. And just, I've always been someone who loved to research and learn and then share what I've learned. So this is the perfect um, vehicle for me. You know, I get to discover new things and then share it with people and then, you know, see the response, which is fantastic. You get these emails from women whose lives have been changed. I mean, there's really nothing better for me. That's amazing. Okay, so what would you recommend for those who want to become more radically self-loving? There are a lot of things that you can do. The first thing that I really say to people is that, well, firstly, they need to make the decision that this is something that's important to them and they need to commit to the idea of loving themselves. And it's it's a practice, you know, it's not a silver bullet. You do this thing one time and your life will be forever changed. There are certainly some things that can help you get to that point, but it's really a daily practice. It's just like yoga or meditation or going to the gym or eating healthy. It's one of those things that requires constant commitment and it's never really finished, you know, it's an ongoing project, but I think it's such a worthy cause. So firstly, you know, make the decision that it's important to you, that you want to commit to it and that it's something you want to make time for because you will need to make time for it. And then the second thing I would say, I always recommend creating what I call a radical self-love Bible, which is basically a blank notebook or a sketchbook or whatever makes you feel good. And you fill it up with positive things, powerful thoughts, and it's just a place that you can go to when you're not feeling good and that you can kind of dive into your own little toolkit and get out those things that really help you, things that have helped you in the past. Um, I have a course that um, is Radical Self-Love Bible School, which runs for three months. And so every week you get a different, a few different prompts to try and kind of work on those things in your book so that by the end of that three-month period, you have all these things in your Bible that will really help you out. But I think that's essential. And honestly, you know, you don't need the course to do it. I just think it's fun to kind of work on a project together. Um, but just filling a book up, you know, writing down any compliments that you receive from people. Because especially when you're beginning, it's very hard to believe the nice things that people say about you. And sometimes, though, those have more impact on you than a nice thing that you would think about yourself because you doubt yourself so much. So writing down the compliments that you receive and writing down things that make you happy. So you have those things that you know you can go and do when you're not feeling good. And it's kind of like a little recipe book for happiness, you know, putting all these things together and mixing them up and seeing, seeing what works for you. That's awesome. What else besides the Bible? Are there any habits that you recommend? I mean, yeah, there are a lot of habits. I do a lot of different things. So meditation is great for me. That has really changed the way that I approach the world and the way that I see the world. Um, and EFT or tapping, I mean, is fantastic. And I'm also finding a lot of value at the moment, particularly in just chanting, um, which I always thought was really weird. And it always made me think of absolutely fabulous. I don't know if you ever saw 
episode where she's just like chanting all the time. Um, <laughs> but it really gets you into a different mindset and it helps you to see the world differently. Um, and it kind of just changes your neural pathways. It's quite amazing. Well, okay, so I have to ask, what are you chanting? What are your favorite chants? Oh, there's there are some really beautiful ones. Um, I went to this little thing last night where we were chanting some stuff about Ganesh and um, Shakti and stuff, but I don't really know them very well. I'm still learning. But there are a lot of Kundalini chants that are amazing, and you can just look them up on YouTube. And you literally just press play and listen, and then just kind of, as you start to get the hang of the language, just chime in, and it's fantastic. Are there any other suggestions besides those things? Is there any other ways to, like you said, retrain your neural pathways? I mean, there are so many things that you can do. I think it's really important to change the way that we see our bodies because I feel like that's something that women really, really struggle with. And especially with eating disorders, you know, I know that EFT is not for everyone. Some people think it's weird, don't want to try it. That's totally fine. Um, I found out yesterday that there are actually 12-step programs for eating disorders. and this Really? Yeah, and it's literally the suggestions for recovery are literally the same as what you get for Alcoholics Anonymous or anything thing like that. So it's fantastic. They have these suggestions for recovery. There's like a like a five page PDF with all these different things. So you know, when you're feeling this way, here are the things that you can do to change your behavior and your habits, which is great. Okay, so I have to ask, how has this shift changed you as a person? I mean, obviously, going through my massive transformation in 2006. I mean, firstly, getting rid of my eating disorder, which in turn lifted my depression, which in turn, you know, I traveled the world, I moved city, I started a new business. I mean, it was a huge year for me, massive. And um, I feel like a lot of my personal crap gets pulled on when, you know, it gets called on when I'm dealing with business stuff. So I kind of think that having your own business is one of the greatest ways to deal with your issues and sort through your identity stuff because, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like having a business really forces you to face your stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I, as you were saying that, I was like, wow, I've never thought about that. But yeah, it's a really intense experience. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's so different to go to a job every day, receive a paycheck, go home and not think about it until you go back the next day. That is a completely different way of living your life. And when I started my blog, I had so many feelings of self-doubt and self-worth stuff that came up where I was like, you know, who am I to be saying this stuff to people? Why should anybody listen to me? Um, How much is my work really worth? What should I be charging? All of that stuff. And that is like core identity self-worth stuff that you really have to deal with. And if you don't deal with it, then you are doomed to sabotage yourself forever. So how have you overcome that doubt and resistance? Well, when I first started my blog and I was really dealing with that, like seriously, like every day, I was literally tapping every day on everything that came up because I knew that if I didn't deal with it, it was just going to get worse and worse. And also because the boyfriend I was living with, you know, he was so into it. He was like, you should tap on that, like for basically (laughs) every time I complained about something. Um, And I mean, it's a great tool, you know, it's free, it's quick, it's easy. I mean, it's kind of flawless if you ask me. So you use it for business. So when you're stressed out about mm-hmm. something in your company, you tap? Dude, I I use it for everything. Wow. How many times a day do you tap? 
Well, I mean, these days I don't really do it as much. And I, the other thing about it that's really weird is I find that you forget about it really easily. It's so easy to forget that it's one of the tools you have in your little toolbox. Um, and you're always like, oh, well, maybe I'll just go for a run or something. It's like, well, that would be okay. But dude, if you tap on it, like it'll go away forever. So just do that. Yeah. You know, it's so funny you say that because I found out about it a, a year or two ago from Marie mm-hmm. Forleo had a video with a guy that was into it. Was it Nick Wartner or someone? Yes, I think yeah. it was him. Yeah. And so I saw the video. I tried it. And then the next night I woke up in the middle of the night nauseous. Mm-hmm. And it never had happened before. I was just like completely out of nowhere. Yeah. But I tapped and it went away. Huh. And then I totally forgot about <laughs> the fact that I could do it until we've talked about it just today. Right. Yeah. It's really easy to forget about. And I often find that I've even forgotten the issue that I use it on. It's almost like you completely erase it from your mind, which is super weird. Um, But I mean, man, it really works. Okay, so you just tap on it. So when you have some resistance or doubt, because this is kind of actually, the shift has changed you as a person is also the same, the answer to that is the same as what doubts or resistance have you had to face in your career or life? Yeah, I would say so. Mostly business stuff, yeah. I mean, that is the place where I I have the most... I guess, difficulty or struggle. Yeah, it's it's mostly business related because, I mean, I think anyone who owns their own business, they are so accustomed to pouring themselves into it. And it's very hard for it not to become your identity and not for you to measure your self-worth against how much money you're making, how many hits you're getting, how many retweets you're getting or whatever it is. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's big stuff. Yeah, so can I ask you, what resistance are you facing with that? Because you're in a really pretty public and massive scale now. Mm-hmm. Has it shifted at all? Or is it the same stuff even when you were just starting out that you're facing now, even though that it's all more amplified? Is the resistance the same or does it change as you grow publicly? I mean, it's funny you say that because I don't feel like I'm any bigger today than I was when I first got to New York City in 2008. I really don't. And I mean, maybe part of that is because I spend time with people who have like huge internet audiences. Okay. Um, Like uh, my friend Gabby Bernstein just released this book called Miracles Now, and it's completely amazing. Um, But, you know, she has like thousand like so many people following her online and she is just doing so so well and it really keeps me in check like I'm I think I'm pretty humble about it like I really don't see myself as being like uber successful I think I'm plodding along okay but I really don't think I'm like killing it or anything I wish I was but I don't think I am yet but I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if the if the resistance is different from time to time. I think it just depends on what you're dealing with at the moment. Like at the moment, I am. Um, we just relaunched my website last Monday, so it's very exciting. Um, but the resistance I have is around things like what's the next step for me? What's my next project? Where am I going to put my energy? Where am I going to put my attention? And just kind of doing that dance where you are trying to figure out the best use of your time and energy. Um, I think that's probably my most difficult thing right now. Um, And that's the thing that I'm really struggling with. It's interesting to hear that that's the biggest concern because there's many options. You're not for lack of those. It's more about which choices are you going to make? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, there are so many opportunities that come your way and you think, oh, well, that would be great, but this isn't a good fit for me or whatever. Do you have a litmus test for that? Um, Yeah. Basically, if it's not a hell yeah, then it's a no. And how do you say the no? I'd be curious out of radical self-love. How does Gala say no to people? Well, um, something I learned that I think is really interesting through Latham Thomas, who has a great blog. She says that no is a complete sentence. 
<laughs> and I love that because it's so tempting to make excuses and, oh, well, da, 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 you know, come back to me later, whatever. No, it's better just to be honest. If you don't want to do it, then you don't want to do it. And I will just say something like, thanks so much for thinking of me, but this isn't a good fit right now. And you say the right now or you just say not a good fit? Yeah, either or. I mean, I'm, yeah, it doesn't really bother me. But for example, like this is such a weird thing. I was in Buffalo Exchange on Sunday. I was looking at clothes and I checked my phone and I got this email from someone at FIT, which is Fashion Institute of Technology. And they were like, hey, we're having um, a pet fashion show and we'd like you to be a guest judge. I was like, I am so <laughs> there. I am so doing that. That is amazing. And at the same time, like on that same day, I got an email from someone saying, we'd like to fly you to Paris um, and we'll pay you this money to do this interview with this person. Can you come? And I was like, well, like that's really glamorous and fancy or whatever, but I'm not really interested in doing that. So no, thank you. Wow. That's a, that sounds pretty exciting. But to hear that for you, you were like, no, thank you. It's not the right fit. Yeah, like, I mean, I love to travel, obviously, but I would rather, like, go with my friend or with my husband or, you know, I don't want to just go on some trip with people I don't know and kind of just do some boring work that doesn't resonate with me and is, you know, what they were offering me is something that my readers really don't care about. They are not going to want to be part of that project. So it's, like, offensive. Like, why would I subject them to that? I think that's really important when you're considering these offers or, or things that come in. Like, is your reader really going to appreciate this or are they just going to be like, oh, well, you clearly just did this for a paycheck? Yeah, that's great advice. Okay, so last but not least, what would you tell someone who is just starting out on this journey? Well, I think if you are just starting to learn to love yourself, then the most important thing is to be really patient and to speak to yourself really kindly. And uh, we always feel like we have to have all the answers immediately and everything has to be perfect, but that's not the case. Like, I always think if you were talking to your best friend and she did something that she wasn't very proud of or whatever, you're not going to chastise her. You're not going to say, oh, you're so stupid. I can't believe you do that. What an idiot. Hopefully you wouldn't say that. Um, you know, ideally you would be really loving and supportive and encouraging and you'd be like, hey, it wasn't perfect this time, but next time you'll get it and it'll be great. Um, there's a great quote from Yogi Bhajan. He said, the difference between you and I is that I forgive myself all day long. And I think that's really important, just that act of forgiveness. And forgiveness doesn't have to be this big grand act. It can just be a simple affirmation repeated in your head of like, I forgive myself. Just it can be such a great shift um, and can really start to open the door to, you know, really learning to love yourself and change your life. Wow, it's like a chant. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show, Gala. Of course, anytime. And there you have it. Thank you so much, Gala, for being on the show, and thank you for listening. There are a lot of links and resources that were shared in this episode. So if you want to hop over and see the show notes for all of those links, the URL is jesslively.com slash galadarling. And if you'd like to thank Gala for being on the show and tell her that you like the episode, please go over to Twitter and send her a tweet at Gala Darling. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next week. 